1: Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Rotowire DFS podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. I'm your host, Joe Pizzoppia, and with me for the last time on this podcast, which is very sad, it's an emotional time, but he's moving on to uh, some bigger and better things Is Doug Thorburn. Doug, how are you this evening, my friend?
2: Uh, it is a bit emotional. I have you know, tears running down my cheeks right now. This is very sad.
1: You know, hopefully we'll be able to get through this without getting mushy. But uh I've enjoyed <laughs> our six weeks together and it's been a special time and I, I just, you know, I just I mean, all that knowledge that you keep giving everyone and winning all this money, it's really it's really important. And I just <laughs> don't know how important you are to us. But in all in all honesty, we wish you uh, great things and before you go, let's go out with a bang. Let's go out there and win some folks some money. So let's start here uh breaking down what looks like like on this Thursday here, we're talking about basically two different nights. You know, we got the day slate, we got the after, the evening slate, and they're completely uh, different, uh, a fair amount of games in each. That's kind of the fun and the challenge of playing on Thursday. As you're looking these out, is there one that's more appealing to you? Is it the day slate? Is it the night slate? If you're only going to play one, which one would you play?
2: Well, you know, most of the best arms are on the night slate, but because of that, I would tend towards the day slate just because I kind of like that opportunity to find the diamonds in the rough. So
1: is it a matter of GPP in one and tournaments in the other?
2: Not necessarily, uh, especially when it comes to uh, the really thin slate. So we've got like a six-gamer and a five-gamer as far as day versus night, and I just find that the ownership is really spread evenly when – we have those kind of weak slates. And so that's the daytime slate for the, for today.
1: Well, the daytime slate, let's just go through these pictures real fast. We got Ariel Miranda, Gio Gonzalez, Ivan Noma, Bartolo Colon, uh, Anderson, velazquez, Almonte, Tanaka, who's been terrible. Uh, you got right. Andres, maybe he's okay. Butler is bad in his last start. Samarja. So really, I mean, in that grouping, the only guy that I feel even remotely comfortable with is Yvonne Nova. I, I, maybe Gio Gonzalez, too, considering how bad Miranda's been, too, lately. But, I mean, I think those are the only two that are either in my sphere. Or is there anybody else that I'm leaving out here?
2: I think those two are the big ones. I think Nova and Gio, for me. Especially Seattle is kind of stacked with left-handed bats, so Gio's left-handedness will come into play there. And with Nova, that's kind of a safe play against Atlanta.
1: And they're practically the same salary too, 87 and 86, respectively. Uh, when you're looking at the evening slate, that's when things get a little bit, you know, a little bit different there. You get Verlander, you get DeGrom, you get some other of the big names in there. You also get, you know, like looking at DeGrom, I got to tell you, even though he's 11K, I actually feel like he is underpriced tonight. Going against San Diego with the way he's been striking out guys with a lineup that strikes out as much as they do at home, not to mention the fact that he's going against uh, Dilson LeMay making his major league debut. Uh, to me, this is one that it's it's a, a no brainer. Degrom and it's almost like the best, the best Degrom lineup wins.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, not only has Degrom been piling up the strikeouts this season, but the Padres give away season high k totals like oh it's the
1: perfect marriage i can't believe he's not 12th out i really can't i when i saw 11 i i just i was shocked by that number i actually he's the first guy at 11 that i said oh that's a value
2: (laughs) yeah well especially compared to the other top guys on the slate i mean i like Verlander fine but he's inconsistent he's playing a very strong houston lineup robbie ray is stuck playing the brewers so forget about him uh, you got a, a lot of guys at the top i kind of like michael Walker a little bit at the that price he's he's kind of similar um as far as the nova geo um if you're playing an all day slate he's 8700 and kind of falls in that same ballpark as far as being somewhat safe uh but has kind of a capped ceiling but if you want a big point value from your pitcher today DeGrom's definitely the guy
1: i'm actually going to going to throw a little shade on one of those names that you mentioned there and the uh, actually uh and I'm gonna say this Robbie Ray I know it's against the Brewers but have you seen the home road splits for Robbie Ray this year 675 era at home 1.03 on the road in 2017 so just throwing that out there maybe just maybe that's actually one where you can make a little bit of money maybe in tournaments too where people see what exactly you see hey it's the Milwaukee's a good offense it's a tough ballpark but Robbie Ray has done his most damage actually on the road he's got a 0.98 whip the strikeout rate is even higher on the road. Now, I know some of that tends to, depending on you know, matchups and who he's facing, but still, that is an extraordinary divide
2: between home and road. Well, and in general, I, when it comes to those home-road splits, I think there are guys who are genuinely better at home. Uh, when it comes to the road splits, not as much, except when it comes to guys from, say, oh, I don't know, Colorado and Arizona, another high-altitude ballpark. But he's playing in Milwaukee, which is another great hitter's park. If he wasn't in Milwaukee, if this was more of a neutral site, then I'd be all with you there. But uh, but in Milwaukee, I'm not so sure.
1: I don't know. It sounds like a – I smell a head-to-head, you and me, going <laughs> at it. Robbie Ray against whoever you choose, and we, you know, till the death. I think that's what we do. All right, uh, who else on this slate uh, can you stomach? Uh, can you stomach a Michael Waka against the Dodgers, considering uh, Maeda's hamstring issue? Is it Clevenger who – I'm looking at Mike Clevenger and I – I can't believe after that one start that he's 8,500. I know there might be some rain in that one, too, just as a caveat. But 8,500
2: for Clevenger after that one big outing? Is that a little crazy? I think so. I'm not a big Clevenger guy. I do like Matt Andreezy at 7,600, though. Yeah,
1: on the day slate. I kind of agree with you there. I thought that was a little one that's a a very uh, reasonable price there for that guy. All right, who's going against? Who are the guys that you want to – go ahead and target and say, okay, this is where I'm looking for offense tonight. Is it Dennis Alame?
2: Is that the guy we're going for? Are we going to pick on the young kid? That's the easy choice, uh, but to be honest, I there's a number of stacking options. I mean, you can stock, stack Boston bats against Dick Martinez. You've got uh, Miguel Almonte with the Royals. He's facing the Yankees, and so the Yankees are a great stack, regardless just because their offense is going nuts. And anyone facing Washington is in trouble, even on a lefty. And I'm not Ariel Miranda's biggest fan, so I like that one too. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Miranda's a guy you
1: get know, a couple of decent outings, but you know, I, I, I'm just not buying into that. I'm not buying into that one at all. All right, so those are the stats. Those are the pitchers. That's kind of the way it uh, shapes up. Let's get on to the catchers. Top of the board: Buster Posey, 36; Perez, 34; Grandal, 34; Gary Sanchez, 32. I gotta say, uh, over the top of the board, guys, Gary Sanchez with the matchup if he's playing against Almonte now. That is in question because I'm not exactly sure if he'll be in the lineup. Maybe he'll get the DH. I believe he was in the lineup tonight as we're recording this for tomorrow on Thursday. So you got to keep that in mind. Now, there's something where you're playing where you can make up ground if you are playing the full slate, some of those catchers who are playing, uh, you know, those secondary catchers playing day game after night game where you can go up to the top of the board for that $11,000 salary and make some hay a catcher. Who are some of those guys that kind of pop to you as those uh, possible ones that might be nice return on investments at the position.
2: Well, Sanchez is the big one that screams out to me. He's only thirty two hundred. He could easily justify a salary five hundred dollars more. You're right that there's always the risk that maybe he won't play. So obviously you have to keep an eye on the lineups uh, within hour or two before before first pitch and before lock. Uh, but also Wilson Contreras at three thousand versus Jeff Smarja. I like that one all right, and uh, I'm a little iffy on it. But basically. Anyone in the Washington lineup, even Matt Wieters, batting eighth, even against a lefty, uh, I, I like it against Miranda. What do you make of the Mike Zanino recall? Just
1: curious about that one. That's a guy sitting around 2,200. Again, you got to make sure he's in the lineup, but it's a lefty-righty matchup. Uh, you know, that first game back against Washington, he went yard uh, for pretty good, you know, then went 0 for the next night. But... Uh, is that a guy that you might be able to stomach at 22 if he's in the lineup too? It's, you know, there is some power upside there. I know it's a lot of swing and miss, but for 2200, he doesn't have to do all that
2: much to return value. Definitely. I really like Zunino, especially at that price, because I mean, there's so few quality catchers you typically have to pay up for them. And really, if you're just looking for that one big fly. And so someone like Zunino is perfect. He had zero points. He's just going to do the same thing that a whole lot of catchers will do. So, if he can get that home run out of him, that's huge. That's what he does. All right. Anybody else at the catcher position before we move on to the infield? Uh, no, those are the ones that I'm eyeballing. All right. Look at us. I'll
1: uh, see. We're back on the same page. Just like that, we're right back together. We were off <laughs> on Trevor Ray. And right like that, boom, right back together, you and me. All right. Top of the board, first base, Paul Goldschmidt, 48 in Milwaukee. You're going to be paying a lot for Goldschmidt tonight. Uh, Joey Vado. Forty-six. Anthony Rizzo, 43. Miguel Cabrera, 39. Let's talk about Cabrera for a second. He's at Houston. He's got a matchup against Fires. And it's funny, you know, Cabrera had that nice little run there last week between Baltimore and Texas, those couple games there in a row. But he had missed some time in between. Uh, Again, some nagging injuries and some issues. It seems like Miguel Cabrera has yet to really get on track this year and season long. In the daily game too, I think that's really hurt you because those nagging injuries kind of killed a lot of investments. What do you have to see for Miguel Cabrera to start making him a worthy investment? What is that number for you where you're willing to risk it? And is it 3,900?
2: I I think so, but I have to admit I'm I'm also someone who has and will continue to lose money on Miguel Cabrera because I'm I'm such a believer in the talent. And so when I see that price point, well, it's it's Hall of Fame caliber, caliber, you know. But he, he, has a hard, he is having a hard time getting out of this little funk that he's in right now. But man, there's so much talent there. And especially facing someone like Mike Fires, I mean, there's a lot of potential profit with that.
1: Well, somebody who's starting to get out of the funk is Edwin Encarnacion at 37. So for $200 less, I think right now, looking in Cincinnati against Adelman, uh, coming off a two home run night with three RBIs and three runs, 44 points. He's had a couple of nice outings here. He's put a together. You know, there's still some zeros popping up there in that line, but we're talking 22, 25, 44. I think this is the Edwin Encarnacion that we all know and love and have grown to be accustomed to over the years. That's certainly one. Going down further, first base is always a place where you can find a little bit of value. Uh, Do you like Mark Reynolds on the road in Philadelphia at 35, or is he really just still a
2: course play only for you? In general, I don't, but he's kind of throwing all my expectations about him upside down this year. I mean, he's, he's supposed to be a high strikeout, low average guy, and he's kind of doing the opposite right now. Um, so maybe he's also going to do the opposite as far as thinking he's a cores only type player. That said, I, I'll probably lose money on Miguel Cabrera before I try to roster Mark Reynolds. Now, here's another guy, 3,200, also starting to pull himself
1: by his bootstraps out of a season funk. And that's Mike Napoli who's put together a couple of power outings, too. This is a guy who's got a couple home runs here in the last four games. He's got one, two, three in the last five, uh, four in the last seven. So, all of a sudden, Mike Napoli getting a little hot. He's got an opportunity against Drew Pomeranz, a lefty-righty matchup there for him. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at Mike Napoli as that best
2: value at first base tonight. Um, I actually I really like Josh Bell. He's uh, really a hundred bucks cheaper. He's just been tearing it up over the last, you know, the last week and a half, something like that. Um, Let's see. Since uh, May 14th, he's got, I'm sorry, since May 12th, he's got four homers. He's got four doubles in that time. He's facing Bartolo. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there. They've been hitting him clean up in that really terrible lineup. So if someone's going to do something, it's going to be that guy.
1: Yeah, boy, like, you know, we were just talking about it on my show the other night about how far Andrew McCutcheon's really fallen in the consciousness to and you know just to oh. touch on that real fast just you know we said rest of the season who would you rather have Avsel Garcia or Andrew McCutcheon? we put a poll out and I said it was going to be 60% for Avsel and it was and and that's kind of where we are and where we are is Josh Bell hitting cleanup right now. That's uh, <laughs> that's kind of what it's come down to. Anybody else on the first base board? Matt Adams at 25. Uh, if he's playing in that day slate, is that another guy that you can uh, go lefty-right
2: against Nova, or has Nova been just too good for you? I don't think it's the best matchup for Adams versus Nova, uh, and there's a lot of quality bats at first base I would want to get my hands on before I would go dumpster diving. I just think, don't think first base is a position to do it today.
1: Well, Matt Adams, pretty good dumpster. Got uh, home run his last uh, home run in each of his last two games there, and I'm kind of rooting for Matt Adams. Maybe this is a personal one. Uh, I just want to see him succeed. I feel like it's a, it's just a shame that he hadn't really developed into the player he was supposed to be, and now he's got a second life here with the Braves and and a short window to prove himself. So hopefully That's he true. will. Uh, let's go over to third base, other end of the corners. There we got Jake Lamb at 4100, Noan Arenado 4100, Chris Bryant at 4000, uh, Turner out with a hamstring. Shaw, the other one, 3600 These are the top-of-the-board guys. Between these top guys here, Bryant, Arenado, Lamb, who's your favorite of these three tonight?
2: Well, first of all, I'm surprised at just how big some of these top guys are and how low their prices are. I was thinking the same thing, man. It's, some, it's real
1: loose on Thursday. I don't know if they're trying to get people to play or because of the way the slates are broken up that people kind of lose interest on Thursdays, but I don't know, man. I was thinking the exact same thing. You took the words out of my mouth.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, how often do you get Chris Bryant for 4000 or Arnauto for 4100 Of those, I mean, there really isn't a bad option, uh, but I just like Arnauto against uh, – he's against Velazquez, right? So, Yep. Um, there, there's so much potential against not just Velazquez, but assuming Velazquez will be gone by the sixth inning, he's going to be facing a pretty weak bullpen that's been having some struggles this season. So I really like Arnauto there.
1: How about the red-hot Anthony Rendon at 3,200 right now? I mean, it's funny. This is a guy on season-long roto. you are probably loving him because the numbers are all there. But they are coming in spurts. And, you know, you got to either – you're going to be right or horribly wrong on Anthony Rendon. And right now, he's on one of these terraces Again, he's got three home runs in his last two games. He's just crushing the ball. He's got a lefty-righty favorable matchup against Ariel Miranda we talked about earlier in that national stack. Is he a part of that stack for you tonight?
2: Definitely, definitely. I love running down at 32. There's actually a lot of guys right in that range that I really like. I mean, Joey Gallo for 3,000 is kind of a boomer bust. I know I mentioned him last week as well, so maybe I'm just a Gallo homer, but I like those boomer bust guys for the same reason that we, as we talked about Zanino before. And then Jed Jerko for also 3,000. He's against Maeda. So there's, and he is someone who has a bit of a reverse platoon split in his day so, or in his time, so... It's not quite the platoon matchup you'd love to see, but at 3,000 it 's hard to go wrong, and then Jose Ramirez is 2800 tomorrow I, against, uh, I
1: um, don't can you explain that to me? I't what, what is that anomaly? why Why is Jose Ramirez 2800? That ownership is going to be like i don't know 70 percent. I feel like, I mean, I know he's been cold seriously. Like, I know over seriously. the last seven games it's been a cold streak for him. I know he hasn't been great he doesn't have a home run in his last 10 games. I, I get all that. I understand that it's, it's not been a good stretch for him. But 2,800, I mean, that's just basically begging. It's like that couple years ago where Cano got ice cold and he was down at like 25 at one point. And every lineup I made had Robinson and Cano in it because I was just waiting for him to turn it around. And Ramirez is certainly a guy, too, with a little bit of speed, too, that you just imagine that's going to turn around in Cincinnati, no less, 2,800. Doug, what's happening?
2: I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and there's so many ways he can beat you. I'm with you, man. Look, you got some high-end options. You
1: got some low-end options there. Third base is plentiful. If you're doing multiple lineups, go crazy at third base today. All right, let's go to second base. Jose Altuve against Verlander, 39. You got Daniel Murphy against Ariel Miranda, 38. Cano back from the DL a couple days ago, 36. Let's talk a little bit about Ian Happ, who is um, basically seems like the everyday center field guy, at least for now. He's going against Samarja. He's a switch hitter. Look, I would say so far what he's shown you is a floor that you got to really like. I mean, Ian Happ looks like about a 12-point guy or somewhere around there every night so far in his short sample size. And for 3,500, I think you can do worse than him at second base.
2: I think you're right. And I think the, the Cubs have obviously shown a willingness to hit him in the middle of the order. I mean, how long did it take Addison Russell to finally move up to fifth before they slid him back down again? Ian Happ was with the team for a couple of days, and they're sticking him in the cleanup spot.
1: Well, look, man, I am just—I was just glad they're starting to get Schwarber out of there, too. And my point about the Schwarber thing is I understand that it makes sense on paper. I get that. But at the end of the day, do you think Kyle Schwarber has ever hit leadoff in his life outside of last year in the playoffs when it was just kind of a weird anomaly and it just worked? I mean, he, he was probably like seven, eight years old at hitting cleanup. He was probably the biggest kid on the team at all times. <laughs> and I think there's a certain thing where just you get a guy out of his element and although it might look good on paper, I can't wait for Kyle Schwarber to be hitting fifth and sixth in that lineup. I, and I don't care if it's two lefties. And, I don't care if he hits right after Rizzo because Rizzo hits lefties and righties. It doesn't matter. Just get the guy in a place where he's comfortable again. All right, Starlin Castro has been a beast at home this year. He's at 3400 against Almonte. I love that salary for him, too. This is another guy that's just crushing the ball in Yankee Stadium. Neil Walker hitting cleanup uh, still around there, $3,300 for Neil Walker. Uh, who else at second base really pops for you is it a guy like Logan Forsythe too uh who's just back from injury
2: is that guy is it too soon for Logan Forsythe no you just took the words right out of my mouth because i cuz Logan Forsythe has been hitting lead off even against righties mm-hmm. at 3000 he's definitely a good gamble and then uh also Peraza for 2700 against Cleminger. like yeah. That too
1: yeah yeah in fact in his in his uh return uh Logan Forsythe with a double and an RBI and a walk in that one so 12 and a half points from him uh, against St. Louis yesterday. So uh, I'm, I'm with you, man. Get him right back in there. 3K, that's a great price. I don't even know if it's a gamble. That's what I'm going to say. I think it's a great matchup. I love it. <laughs> I'm all about it. All right, let's go to shortstop. Uh, top of the board here, Carlos Correa, 3,800. Trey Turner, 36. Francisco Lindor, 36. Xander Bogarts, 36. Xander Bogarts, I want to touch on him. The average has been there. The steals have been a little bit improved. Pretty much doing everything you want. Except one thing, and you know what that one thing is, Doug, don't you? What's that one thing? He's not really hitting for power. Yeah, he's hitting for no power. He's got zero home runs still, and it's nearly Memorial Day. I mean, mm. the points are still good. You gotta imagine that, that home. That dinger's coming. That big Xander Bogarts day is gonna come. It's gonna come soon, and it's gonna be a big one. He's got Nick Martinez. Is this the night? Are we gonna Are we gonna stamp it and say this is it? May 25th, that's when he's going to be hitting that first home run of the
2: season? If he does, it'll have to be for someone else's lineup. There's just too many other guys who are at that exact same price point who are that much better in my mind. I mean, you've got – Oh,
1: Corey Seager so, right there at 35. I mean, I, that's one.
2: Yeah, Bogarts at 36. You've got Lindor at 36. You've got Trey Turner at 36. Yeah, you've got Seager at 35. Gene Segura. Just, All of a sudden, oh, shortstop's my, become a, a
1: wonderful spot, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, who has the – who's like a tournament play a little bit cheaper? You go down the road there, Uh, $3,300. Zach Cozart has yet to stop hitting. I know it's Clevenger, the almighty Clevenger. After one start, all of us have to bow down to Clevenger. (laughs) Uh, Didi Gregorius is another one, 32 Todd and I talked about him the other day. This is another guy, maybe not hitting for a lot of power, but hitting the ball all over the place like Bogarts. Is that wise for you, or are you still looking for the guy who's got a little bit more power potential? Because right now – the power seems to be coming around for DD and at 32 against Almonte, I think that's a very appealing salary.
2: That's definitely an appealing salary though. Although once you go lower, there's plenty of other intriguing names that are even cheaper. I mean, Chris Owings is only 2,900. Mm. Uh, you've got Elvis Andrews at 2,700. Jose Reyes at 2,700. Now, oh, I'm really glad look. you
1: mentioned Reyes oh, at 2,700 too, because that's a guy who's also picked it up a little bit of late. I mean, he, he really, you know, had a rough opening to the season. Again, not too much power there from Reyes, but uh, certainly starting to put together some better at-bats, which is a positive. But uh, look, shortstop, uh, the world is your oyster. Uh, All-around offense is really well-priced today. So far as you're going through the state, you can see this, that you know it's going to be okay. It's an okay night, I think, to go up there and get some of these bigger bats. And, and if you don't, if you want to go to tournament play, there's lots of options there. There are great matchups, great pricing. I would dare say the word loose. I would use the word loose tonight to describe the slate, and baseball is here, so don't get stranded out on first base without a Rotowire subscription. And don't miss out on this great offer: make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So go to FanDuel.com/Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible, and users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com/Rotowire. All right, on to the outfield, Doug. Let's do it up. Who's your favorite big-time pay-up outfielder of the day?
2: Well, I mean, I just have a hard time paying up for the guys who really deserve it, the Trout and the Harper. I mean, Trout's 5000 Harper's 4700 I can't bring myself to pay that, although they're absolutely worth it. So the situation might present itself. Uh, but you slide just a little bit down – you can save twelve hundred bucks for thirty seven hundred. Get JD Martinez, who's just mm. been killing it since he came back from the DS. Yes.
1: Love it, love it. I'll tell you what, too. I know he's expensive at forty five, but man, I, I love me some Michael Conforto right now. I mean, Michael oh, Conforto <laughs> he can do no wrong. Uh, he can do no wrong, and it's just <laughs> so funny how we have such short memories sometimes that. Going into last year, Michael Conforto, and this and this is important. You know, We'll touch on this, and I like to talk about this on the podcast because it's important because I think if you play daily, it helps your season-long game. If you're a good season-long player, you can transition well into daily. They, they go hand-in-hand. Your knowledge matters. But Conforto is a perfect example of somebody with all the talent in the world coming into this year – excuse me, coming into last year, was supposed to be the you know, three-hole hitter, slam dunk, all-star, future middle-of-the-order bat for the Mets. It didn't happen. It was a tough adjustment period for him. And this year he was like the forgotten man, and now he's come back. And it's funny. Everybody wants to talk about Aaron Judge, but their numbers are almost the same. I mean, we're talking about OPS is almost the same, RBI. We're talking home runs. And, and Conforto and Judge tonight, both of them, I think great matchups, both at home. Uh, I'm I'm willing to spend for either one of those guys too. What do you think?
2: I I think it's a ballsy play, but I love it with Conforto, and, and I was one of those guys who was a year too early on him. I was all about him last year. I thought it was – in fact, there was a bus, there were some naysayers. They reminded me a lot of the naysayers with Paul Goldschmidt, about how, well, his numbers will never translate. He's not the type of hitter. Conforto had just raked at every level all the way up. Not that he'd even spend that much time in the minors. He pretty much, no, oh, he was an advanced college minor. bat, and he flew through. Yeah, and, and then – he obviously struggled last year, and the team really messed with him, you know, set, setting him down and bringing him back up like a yo-yo. But then to see what he's become in the span of just a year, it's amazing. All right, so I, I love the comporter play.
1: Well, here's another forgotten guy having a great season. He's got 12 home runs, 23 RBIs, hitting 335, and that's my boy C. Dick, Corey yep. Dickerson. Daniel Wright is the matchup, the righty, against the lefty power of Corey Dickerson. He's 3,900. That's another outfield bat where I'm, I'm very content to go out there and uh, put him in my lineup. but we're talking some big outputs from him lately in the last month that Dickerson's a guy that's going to you know basically carry you to a lot of the pay lines. Let's keep going down a little bit further down the list. We talked about all the guys 3,700 and above that we like, and there's a lot of them. Uh, but let's go talk about under that price. You got Cody Bellinger at 36, Billy Hamilton at 35, Jason Worth, also, who's been pretty decent. Another guy you might want to consider in that stack at $3,500. Who else pops for you on this outfield slot you feel like uh, is a worthy option today?
2: Well, I know he's been slumping. I know he's facing Verlander, but George Springer at 3,400, I just can't ignore it. I just got to figure he's going to snap out of it at some point. Uh, Verlander's been prone to some bad outings this year. So at 3,400, I'm willing to roll the dice on him. And then right below him is Kyle Schwarber. How many steals, by the way, for George Springer this year? That's a really good question. Because you know he's got question. zero on he the steals, year, it's right? It's hard to peg because guys have their <laughs> – it's up to the manager whims and they can decide whether they want to go or not. It's very hard to peg.
1: Which is funny because last year – he went from a guy a couple of years ago who was like, oh, there's going to be a 30-30 guy to a guy last year who got caught more than he stole to a guy this year. I don't know how many attempts he's got this year. But he's got zero steals on the season. And I'll tell you what, I'd feel better about Springer if he was just running a little bit more, that he would be a little bit better play and a little less of an all-or-nothing guy. Or at least if he ran a little from time to time, he said, like, well, you know, he didn't hit the bomb for me tonight, but he stole a base and it got him in position to score a run. And I think that's kind of hurting his overall game, his lack of speed on the base pass all of a sudden. Is transitioning into the box scores in the in the in the run column, and that's kind of you know getting a little frustrating. I think for me, both season long and daily for me. Uh, who else on this board yeah, too? Agree. As we continue to go underneath, uh, is it Aaron Hicks too at thirty two hundred? Who's played very well and with Ellsbury injury, probably a a guaranteed lock to play tomorrow.
2: I like the Hicks play. That that uh, similar to Hicks is Keon Broxton, the type of guy who could just go nuts one day or give you an offer, but at yeah. thirty two hundred, it might it's probably worth the dice roll.
1: All right, anybody else that I'm forgetting here as we close up shop on this one? Uh,
2: another guy that this is more of a tournament play, a big tournament play, but I like how Yazi Puig can just for one day turn it on. And for 2,900, it's not going to hurt too badly to find out. Uh, he has, he's been cold lately, and you typically want to ride the streaks with him, so I get it if folks are a little timid. Um, but if they don't like him, hey, for 100 bucks cheaper, then get Justin Upton, same deal.
1: Yep, there you have it. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug underscore Thorburn. Now, Doug, tell everybody where they can uh, catch all your work now.
2: Well, I'm now working with the National Pitching Association. That's actually where I worked before I got into the sports writing biz. So uh, they'll still see me on Twitter. They'll st- I'll be writing articles for the National Pitching Association website. That's nationalpitching.com. And so they'll be able to find my work there. Uh, I've stuck out my – podcast i do with sammy reed baseball Holic's anonymous so uh that would definitely continue ad nauseum so <laughs> <laughs> well uh, well as it I'm should
1: as it should because let me tell you you guys do a great job over there and actually sammy's working for me uh, if you know this he's uh doing the dfs chapter for the black book this year for the fantasy yeah, you yeah,
2: mentioned it on our podcast on Baseball Anonymous uh, just the other night.
1: Yeah, that's right, baby. I'm uh, bringing the guys. And listen, I'm going to make sure you're going to be on my show, too, on uh, on the Black Book, too, on Fantasy Sports Radio, too. We'll definitely get you on. We wish you the best on that transition. Uh, I love to talk pitching, so the fact that you're working over there, uh, you're still going to be in the analysis world, I still believe, right? So we're still cool, still talking oh, fantasy, yeah. right? All right. That's what I do. There you go. Love it. Doug, all the best to you, man. We love you, and we uh, hope that uh, great success for you over there at the National Pitching Association, and uh, make sure you guys go over there and check out that podcast, too, with him and Sammy. Both those guys are great, and Sammy, also another one of my favorite guys in the business. So, for everybody here at RotoWire, have a great day of Daily Fantasy. Thanks so much, Joe. It's been a blast.